I'm Professor Jason Ellis. I'm Professor of Sleep Science at Northumbria University. How on earth do you get to be a Professor of Sleep Science? It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I was meant to be a historian, to be honest, and uh, things went horribly wrong in my <laughs> 20s. And, and so I have to work at night. How do, you, how do you do your research? How does it work? Well, I have a laboratory in Newcastle, so we, we get people to come in. They'll sleep there for sometimes three, four, five nights. We stick electrodes all over them and then tell them to go to sleep. And, and at the same time, I'm watching them. So that, that works out well. It doesn't sound creepy at all, does it? Not in the <laughs> slightest. What are the sort of main issues that people have? Well, we do two types of research. We do research on the people who have got those sleep disorders. And certainly the majority of people that we're seeing have got insomnia. And that's a problem getting off to sleep or waking up a lot during the night and not being able to get back off to sleep or indeed waking up too early in the morning, even much more before they have to. Um, and then the other part of our research is looking at why these things happen. So we do a lot of research on normal, healthy sleepers to see what happens when we uh, we muck around with their sleep a little bit. Because you mentioned you have people who come in and they are successful at having healthy mm. night's sleep. Is it always the same reasons as to why they are successful or does it depend on the, on the individual? Sleep's very individual and that's one of the problems, I think, in terms of getting a, a full understanding of it. It's quite a complex issue. Some of us need seven hours, some of us need eight, some of us need nine, some of us need even less or more than that. Uh, and then, of course, there's a genetic components, there's elements about the environment, how safe you feel in your environment, that can impact on your sleep as well. And what's interesting, and one of the things that I focus on is, you know, how can two people have exactly the same experience in life, and yet one of them will end up with a sleep disorder, and the other one will end up sleeping perfectly well? And it, it, there is a combination of issues. Personality is very important. Personality? How does, how does that come into things? Well, what we see is people who have insomnia, for example, are more likely to score very highly in terms of perfectionism, uh, in terms of neuroticism. So there is a certain per personality characteristic that when they're faced with stress, their way of dealing with it or trying to cope with it is by losing sleep. Whereas other people, actually, they'll sleep even more. And then you can see how they turn into two very different people by the end of it. But I suppose what we can't do really necessarily is say that, well, in order to, to, to improve our sleep, we'll have to change our personalities. <laughs> no, but we can help manage it. I mean, one of the things that we've been doing with the Sleep Council is, is to look at all of the evidence around what we call sleep hygiene. And these are rules and regulations and guidelines about how to get the best quality sleep you can. And so we've looked at 50 years of evidence and come up with a pretty much a 24-hour guide as to what's going to help the most. Now, for some of us with those personality characteristics, it may still help and it may still give you a level of protection, but you're always going to be a little bit more vulnerable. This sounds wonderful. It sounds like something that, that we all need. And actually, I guess this is all part of that notion at the moment that we are becoming more aware, aren't we, of how important sleep is. I mean, there's been talk as well just this week, in fact, about how naps can be important as well. We, we can't really, I'm assuming, ever get enough sleep, can we, by the sound of things? Oh, we can get too much. And too much can be just as detrimental as not getting enough. So we start to see a, a relationship between if you sleep longer than nine hours and again we have to take account that some people might actually need nine hours but 
generally, if people are sleeping more than nine hours, you see some relationships to some poor health outcomes just as much as if you see those people who are sleeping less than six hours. It's about getting the timing right as well as the quality. Okay, and so you have put together then some uh, 10, I love this, evidence-based commandments of good (laughs) sleep. What a great way to describe them. So give us an idea of a couple of them at least. Well, I think let's start with the most important. It's about keeping a regular sleep routine. What it does, and, and, you know, if we were to even break that down, it's about what time you get up in the morning. If you can keep that consistent, what it does is it sets all of the body's sleep systems in alignment. So the drive to sleep and the body clock will tend to focus around your time of getting up in the morning. So if you keep that, that will keep you quite sleep healthy. Exercise is beautiful for sleep. It increases slow wave sleep, which is the deep sleep that's refreshing and good for repairing the immune system and for growing. And then, you know, let's let's talk about reducing nicotine and alcohol. Alcohol is a sedative and it may be very attractive because it does make you fall asleep. I think um, I tried it once. And (laughs) the challenge with that, however, is it really does fragment the sleep that you're getting. You may fall asleep, but the sleep quality is actually very, very poor. And these are all a really good starter for 10, uh, so to speak. So where then can people go to actually find all of the information they need to help them with a good night's sleep? So all of the commandments are on the Sleep Council's website, which is sleepcouncil.org.uk. Listener.